Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. At the first, chaos came to be, but next, wide-bosomed earth, the ever-sure foundations of all the deathless ones who hold the peaks of snowy Olympus. And dim Tartarus in the depths of the wide-pathed earth, and Eros, fairest among the deathless gods, who unnerves the limbs and overcomes the mind and wise counsels of all gods and all men within them. From chaos came forth Erebus and black night, but of night were born Aether and Day, whom she conceived and bare from union in love with Erebus. And night bare hateful doom and black fate and death, and she bare sleep and the tribe of dreams. 
And again the goddess murky night, though she lay with none, bear blame and painful woe, and the Hesperides who guard the rich golden apples and the trees bearing fruit beyond glorious ocean. Also she bare the destinies and ruthless avenging fates Clotho and Lachesis and Atropos who give men at their birth evil and good to have, and they pursue the transgressions of men and of gods, and these goddesses never cease from their dread anger until they punish the sinner with a sore penalty. And also deadly night bear nemesis to afflict mortal men, and after her deceit and friendship and hateful age and hard-hearted strife. But abhorred strife bear painful toil and forgetfulness, and famine and tearful sorrows, fightings also, battles, murders, manslaughters, quarrels, lying, words, disputes, lawlessness, and ruin, all of one nature, and oath who most troubles men upon earth when anyone willfully swears a false oath. Spooky Halloween! This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby! And I am your host, Liv. And fine, is it technically Halloween yet? No. But am I just thrilled to be able to reference my own favorite podcast, My Favorite Murder, in an episode? Absolutely. Before we get too far into the spooky, though, a reminder that next week I am releasing a very special episode I interviewed author Bettany Hughes about her book, Venus and Aphrodite. Uh, Of course, Bettany is more than just an author. She's utterly fascinating and so well-versed in all things classics. She told me some of the most fascinating and wonderful things about Aphrodite and even retold her birth story in a way that thrills me to no end. We all know how much I love her birth story. So please, make sure you download and listen to next week's episode. It's absolutely one of the most exciting things I've ever done for this podcast, and so utterly absorbing and mind-blowing to learn about Aphrodite's history and her reach throughout the Mediterranean. You will not want to miss it. But back to Spooky. What you heard me recite to start this episode was a portion of Hesiod's Theogony, translated by Hugh Evelyn White. The Theogony is, of course, the beginning of things. Nyx, Night, and Eris, strife, it seems, are the mothers of all the darkest things in the world, and no fathers needed. From Nyx are born, according to Hesiod, doom, black fate and death, sleep and dreams, blame and woe, the Hesperides and the fates and nemesis, deceit, friendship and age, and strife. And from that strife from Eris, are born toil, forgetfulness, and famine, tearful sorrows, fightings, battles, murders, and manslaughters, quarrels, lying words, disputes, lawlessness, and ruin. In today's episode, we're going to cover as much about Nyx and Eris and their menacing children as possible, but we're also going to look at Eris's particular children, murder and manslaughter. Or, I should say, the things those children were personifications of. Today's episode, the last of this year's spooky season, is all about the darkest and dreariest gods and goddesses of Greek mythology, 
and, well, murderers, even serial killers of Greek mythology. This is episode 97, my favorite ancient murder, Nyx, Eris, and their deadly dynasty. Let's begin at the beginning. Nyx, the goddess of the night, the personification of the night, was born of that primordial nothingness, chaos. One of the first beings to exist in the world, Nyx is more ancient than most. Also from that chaos was born Erebus, darkness. These two got together because, well, there was no one else, and they suited one another. From them were born ether, the light, bright air, that air that sits between the nothingness, chaos, and Uranus, the actual sky, and Hemera, the personification of the day. But from Nyx alone were born all those things I read to you. Included in those are gods like Thanatos, the god of death, Moros, the god of doom, Nemesis, the goddess of retribution, the Caries, female demons, personifications of violent death. And according to many sources, if not Hesiod, Nyx is also the mother of the Arenaways, the Furies themselves. And... Most importantly of all, Nyx is the mother of Eris, the goddess of strife. Now, I know many of you have requested an episode on stories of Nyx, but they don't exist. I'm sorry. Nyx, Knight, is more a concept than anything else. She's mentioned in myths, but she's mentioned because she brings the night. She is the night. She's also mentioned as the mother of so many of those dark beings. She's one of those goddesses who's well-known, well-respected, important, but remains free of any particular drama within the mythology itself. But while her daughter, Eris, is similar in that way, she, of course, had a hand in one very important story. But before we get there, Eris, one of my favorite goddesses, is also famous for being a mother and similar to her mother Nyx, she had her children all on her own. It's difficult to say whether we should take these stories to mean women held some kind of power in the ancient world. I think what it probably comes from are earlier representations of goddesses from the time when the ancient people of the area actually did worship like a mother goddess. They were essentially a matriarchy for a long time before war came along and the men took over. And I think that these women being these sort of solo mothers for all of these concepts probably is a leftover from that that was then taken on by the patriarchy to mean women were the cause of problems. Either way, I think it's pretty badass. Nyx was the mother of death and vengeance, with no father in sight. And her daughter, Eris, well, as I read to you in the intro to this episode, she's the mother of murder. Eris is the mother of the personifications of murder and manslaughter, the Phonoi and the Androktasei, the latter of which I definitely mispronounced, but she's also the mother of Ponos, labor and toil, lethe, forgetfulness, Lemos, famine, the same famine that plagued Erisichthon, 
the Algia, pain and grief, the Hismini and the Makai, both personifications of types of combat, the Nikea, grievance, the Pseudologoi, lies, the Amphilogoi, disputes and altercations, dysnomia, lawlessness, Ate, ruin, and Horkos, oath. Basically, she's the mother of all things bad. It's pretty impressive, to be honest. I fucking love Eris. Beyond being the mother of all that badassery and straight evil, Eris is known for one story. She started the Trojan War. I won't tell you the whole story again. You can listen to the episodes on the origin of the Trojan War for that. But in essence, Eris was pissed she wasn't invited to a wedding and decided to really fuck things up for everyone as a result. That, and she gave herself a war to ride her chariot through, screaming for bloodshed. Here's a little Easter egg. There's an illustration of Eris in my upcoming book of mythology. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. It might be my life's greatest accomplishment, getting an illustration of that queen into a book. But as much as I want today's episode to be all about everything Eris ever did, that's really it. She started the war, and then she ran through it screaming for blood. It's awesome, but it's limited. So instead, the rest of today's episode, the last spooky episode of the spookiest year in most of our generations, is all about her children. The Fonoi. Murder. There are so many stories of death in Greek mythology. I've told you all about the most grisly of them. But today we're not just talking deaths, or the grisly or otherwise, accidental or by monster or shipwreck. We're talking intentional murders. And of course, any good murder story needs to include a few serial killers. Now, there are very few references to straight-up serial killers in Greek mythology, And almost all of the references I could find come from a single overall story. Yeah, that guy. Theseus. You remember, the last time I told you all about Theseus, I posited it that it was actually Theseus himself who was the real serial killer. And I still think that's possible, don't get me wrong. But for today's episode, we're going to pretend we believe Theseus. That he just coincidentally happened to run across a whole slew of actual serial killers on the walk to Athens. Because what if it's true? If we're to believe Theseus, then that one road to Athens was basically like Northern California or the Pacific Northwest in the 1970s and 80s. Just a fucking hotbed for straight-up serial killers. That in itself is fascinating. A note about today's stories. While the characters very much come from mythology, as well as the things they did, their stories are typically a single line somewhere. So instead, in some cases, I've elaborated. But let's be honest, possibly the most troubling, the most horrifying, spooky thing we're going to do in today's episode, today, we trust Theseus. Polyphetes was the son of Hephaestus, or maybe he was the son of Poseidon. It's up for debate. Either way, he may have needed a stronger father figure in his life. 
might have helped prevent him from ending up as he did. Polyphetes lived in Epidaurus, where he was infamous. He would rob and kill anyone who rubbed him the wrong way, which was most people he came across. And he had an M.O., his signature weapon, a bronze club. It was substantial, heavy, and did incredible damage against his victims. Anyone who came across his path when he was in the right mood would get the club. Sinus was almost certainly the son of Poseidon, something that will become a theme in today's serial killers. Poseidon may have stayed under the radar when it comes to his children, not many were particularly famous, but when you really drill down into the man's offspring, there are some real problems. Sinus lived in the narrowest point of the isthmus that connects the Peloponnesian Peninsula to mainland Greece. From that point, you can see the Saronic Gulf and the Corinthian. It's stunningly beautiful, I'm sure. And from the story of Sinus alone, I can tell you that there are definitely pine trees there. Sinus, like his potential half-brother, Polyphetes, enjoyed a good murder. But he was a bit more creative. More Edgeen than Son of Sam. Sinus hides in the woods. He knows them like the back of his hand. This is his favorite part. Waiting. Watching. He knows someone is coming. He saw them on a path a ways back and snuck off to his hiding place, the place that always works out perfectly for what he plans to do. They appear in the trees, still a little ways off. The smile grows on Sinus's twisted face. Finally, at exactly the right time, he leaps out from his hiding place with a loud cry, jumping directly in the path of the stranger, startling them into a still silence. They're without a weapon, but he knew that. Sinus leads them to two nearby trees, both pulled down in a weird curve, secured that way somehow. We don't know the exact logistics of Sinus's modus operandi, but that's the gist. Sinus takes the rope from one of the curved trees and ties it tightly around the stranger's arms, wrapping them together at the wrists. Then he takes the rope from the other curved tree and does the same to the person's legs. Finally, with the stranger secured and surely attempting to put up some kind of fight, Sinus releases the trees and they each spring backwards, straightening themselves with such force that the stranger is torn apart, separating just below the ribcage, spraying gore around the forest. Meanwhile, Sinus watches on, laughing. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Okay, fine. I know I've told these stories before, but it's spooky season, and the murderers, Sinus, and all the other men on Theseus's walk are too good. Like Skiron, yet another probable son of Poseidon. Skiron would spend his time near a cliffside. There were rocks there, and a pathway that ran between them. There, Skiron would wait for passersby, and where he waited, he would always encounter someone. He so controlled the route between these two rocks that they became known as the Skironian rocks. And when a person passed him by on their way to one place or another, Skiron would stop them, threaten them, and force them to wash his feet. Yeah, wash his feet. But while the person was bent down, washing Skiron's feet under the pretense of then being able to pass through this path that they needed to pass in order to get to where they're going, Skiron would kick them hard. He would kick them so hard that the person would fly backwards and over the nearby cliff. At the bottom of the cliffside, in the sea below, waited an enormous sea turtle, which would feed on Skiron's victims. The Greeks, it seemed, thought sea turtles were man-eaters. Oh, and then there's Procrustes. We can't forget about the serial killer Procrustes, yet another man on Theseus's walk. Procrustes was a little closer to Sinus when it comes to general psychopathy, I can only assume. He was another dark soul. And guess what? Yes, how did you know? He was indeed the probable son of Poseidon. I know we all want to think that Zeus is the most fucked up of the Olympian gods, but for real, Poseidon had some horrific children and some bad stories of his own. But his kids alone, my gods. But Procrustes? Procrustes was famous also for his method of killing, for he too was a serial killer encountered by Theseus, quite coincidentally, on his walk. Procrustes, though, was famous for a bed. The Procrustean bed is even a term in the dictionary, though I don't believe it was used at all in ancient times. According to Merriam-Webster, a Procrustean bed is a scheme or pattern into which someone or something is arbitrarily forced. Because, as you may recall, Procrustes had two beds, actually, and he too, like the others, would sort of just hang out waiting for passers-by so that he could serial murder the hell out of them. When someone encountered Procrustes, he would capture them and bring them to his two beds, where he planned to dole out a horrifying torture on his unlucky victims. If the person he kidnapped was tall, Procrustes would lay them down on the smaller of his beds and cut the person's limbs one by one until they fit the small bed. If they were short, 
while he would take them to the larger of the beds, which was equipped with some sort of stretching device. I'm picturing the machine in the pit of despair. He would lay them down on the larger bed, attach their limbs to the machine, and stretch, or rather pull them apart when they failed to stretch, as human bodies are wont to do. Greek mythological serial killers were creative in their methods, that's for sure. But it wasn't only the oh-so-coincidental serial killers encountered by Theseus that existed in the mythology. There was also a man named Amicus. Amicus, and I won't even try to make a show of it this time, was the son of Poseidon and king of the island of Bebrakos. Amicus, like the others, had a nasty way of dealing with strangers who arrived on his island. He would force every one of them to box with him. They would box, and Amicus would either win the match or toss them over a cliff if they refused to box entirely. A lovely fellow he was. And yes, that is where she, who will not be named the turfiest turf, got the name for Amicus Caro, the torturous teacher of the Deathly Hollows. One can't have an episode about the phonoi, the personified concepts of murder in Greek mythology, without also mentioning the most famous murders. Firstly, those of the House of Atreus. Oh, how I love the curse on the House of Atreus. Or the curse of the Tantalids, or the curse of the Pelopidae, because it's all the same very, very cursed family. Tantalus killed his son, Pelops, and fed him to the gods. Reanimated by those gods, Pelops later killed Onimaeus in order to marry his daughter Hippodamia, and then killed the man's charioteer, Myrtilus, too. Pelops' sons, Atreus and Thyestes, they too loved a good murder. Or Atreus, really. Atreus killed Thyestes' children and fed them to him for dinner. But Thyestes had another son, after the death of the earlier children, Aegisthus. Atreus, too, had sons, Menelaus and Agamemnon. Aegisthus and Agamemnon's wife, Clytemnestra, teamed up to murder Agamemnon in his own bathtub, within moments of his return from the Ten-Year Trojan War. And for that, Orestes and Electra, too, planned to kill their mother, with Orestes finally doing the job. The most murderous family in mythology, certainly. But not the only one. Oedipus murdered his father, Laius, though he didn't know it was his father. Still murdered a man, though. Medea murdered her children, so did Procne, and even Heracles, who murdered his wife and their two children. Speaking of Medea, that witchy, witchy woman, murdered her own brother, had the daughters of Peleus murder him, and killed the princess and king of Corinth with a horrifying poisoned cloak and crown. The poor child of Hector and Andromache, Astyanax, was murdered in cold blood, thrown from the walls of Troy, by either Neoptolemus, the son of Achilles, or Odysseus, my own main man, in one of his worst moments. To speak nothing of the deaths in the Trojan War, but then, I guess those don't technically count as murder when it comes to war. The ancient Greeks had personifications for nearly every concept or emotion imaginable. Rage, fear, retaliation, envy, safety, guile... These characters weren't gods, per se, but they were divine. They were a means of understanding the things that happened, 
the ways humans reacted to events and feelings, how they processed their emotions. If you could attribute something you felt or something you did or someone else did to a personified concept somewhere out in the world, it was easier to understand how it might have come about. To understand murder, how one human being could kill another in cold blood, the ancient Greeks had to attribute it to some deity off in or around Mount Olympus, if certainly not an Olympian themselves. They had to understand that this person was brought to do it by an outside force, a demon, but not a demon like we know from modern religions, just an outside force contributing to one's actions. To understand murder, there had to be this outside force, this personified concept that came from some primordial darkness, primordial night, and her daughter, Strife. Always women, these breeders of darkness, of evil and horror, of death, famine, pain and grief, grievance, lies, lawlessness. Sure, maybe the stories come from a past of empowerment, but in the context of someone like Hesiod, it's definitely more of a commentary. Because of course, just think back to the story of Pandora and her jar. Every one of the world's evils comes from women. What a mess we are. Just kidding. It's because men controlled these things and wrote them down and they wanted to retain their power, their patriarchy, their control over women. So by attributing everything bad in the world to those women, they inherently grew their own power at the expense of women, thereby keeping them subjugated and perpetually in need of men to keep things under control and orderly. Can you hear the air quotes in my voice? And to be clear, when I talk like that, you can just trust I mean cisgendered Greek men. Everyone else, including non-Greeks, people who fell outside of the binary, and cisgendered women fall into the subjugated category, even if the Greeks did very much want to pin all those evils onto women as a whole. Anyway, this episode is turning into one of my better feminist rants, so you're welcome, people who still like to write reviews saying this podcast could be good if it weren't for the feminism. This one's for you! And while we're at it, Americans, you better vote fucking blue next week so you can finally start clawing back your rights and help save the goddamn world. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. L-A-S-I-K LASIK.com Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K LASIK.com Oh, nerds. That was fun. Wonder who I'm going to make angry with that one. Let's just wait and see. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I do love that I get to do this and that I'm at a point with all you magnificent people that I really don't mind getting a few dark souls angry by, you know, pointing out things like gender and racial inequalities, particularly under the current regime in those United States of America. But then again, you Canadians... Don't get complacent. Our government is currently simultaneously attacking and abandoning Indigenous peoples. So, you nerds that like these types of rants, might you consider leaving me a five-star review to offset the one-star reviews I most certainly will get for saying these rational, moral things? Thanks in advance. And hey, pre-order my book, won't you? It's the first mainstream mythology book by a major publisher I've ever encountered that talks about just how shitty the gods were and how women were treated in that world. Plus, it's fucking beautiful. Thank you all so fucking much. You're all so fucking cool. I love that you love this side of the podcast. It's such a thrill. And I couldn't be more grateful that you all exist and that I get to keep doing this now as my whole job. It's the coolest. You're the coolest. Greek mythology is the fucking coolest. I am Liv and I love this shit.